Welcome to Mount Olive First Pentecostal Holiness Church. Thank you for connecting with us. Our desire at MOF PHC is for you and your family to find hope in Jesus Christ so that He will transform your life. Thanks again for connecting with us. Please contact us if we can help you discover God's purpose for your life. Enjoy the message. Now, before we get into it, let's, let's pray. Father, we just start off by giving you thanks for the opportunity to be here, to worship in freedom, to be able to hear your word in freedom. No persecution here. God, it's a luxury we can't take for granted. God, I pray that you would have your way in, uh, in this message and that everyone's heart and mind that is here today will be ministered to. Everybody that's watching online will be ministered to. And God, we will be strengthened to carry it forward for you. And we just ask it right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, I'm not sure if you guys have been uh, here each Sunday or watching online or whatever, but I hope you have been partaking in the Urgent series. I have quite enjoyed it. Uh, it's been kind of pushing me a little beyond my comfort zone, and I've uh, greatly appreciated everything that Pastor has been saying to us. And just a brief recap of what he talked about last week. If you were here, he talked about the reality of hell. It's not a fun subject. Most people try to avoid it, but the fact is it's a real thing that we can't just ignore. We have to admit it's there, and we have to be willing to talk about it and make sure that other people avoid it. So he talked about Lazarus and the rich man, and if you missed the message, I would strongly recommend you go back and listen to it. It's online. It's everywhere now. Next to Pastor Hannah, she's putting it everywhere. But he pointed out that in Scripture, pointed out through Scripture, that we have a choice. We have a choice as to how we live this life. Okay, we have a choice as to whether or not we pursue Jesus with everything that we have. We make sure that he is our Lord and our Savior, or we don't. I mean, those are the choices. Either he is our Savior, or he is not. And that is the choice that we have. But on top of that choice, we also have a responsibility as Christians, we have a responsibility to tell others about Jesus, and that is our title today. That is an urgent call to witness, an urgent call to witness. Now look, Jesus set the tone for us pretty early. From the moment he was on earth, he was doing some powerful stuff, but when he fully stepped into his ministry and he started going out and telling everybody, that was it. That was it. He was locked in. And he had decided from this moment forward, I am doing nothing but my father's work. And I'm going around and doing everything I can to tell everyone who I am. And the fact is they have to have a relationship with me to get to the father. That was it. That was his entire goal. Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. He went as far as we know. He went as far as to put himself on that cross to be willing to take that sacrifice for us, to set it up to where we could receive grace and mercy and get to the Father so easily. He set all that up for us because he loves us that much. But then after his death, his burial, and then his resurrection, we see the torch get passed. All along, he's been preparing the disciples and preparing them and building them up and letting them see how this is going to work. But then we see the torch get passed. In John twenty twenty one. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. It is no longer, I'm going to be here, but I'm sending you. It's now your turn to go out there and to start going into the world and telling people about Jesus. And we see this more in the Great Commission. Most of us have heard this. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. 
Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, it wasn't just the disciples he was sending. The fact is he has commissioned all of us to go and to speak and to tell other people about who he is and to disciple them. Now, when we say disciple them, this is where people can get hung up. When we say go and make disciples, well, sometimes we don't understand what that means for ourselves. So doing that for other people, that's kind of a tough thing. Well, people get hung up on the idea of going and making disciples. We believe that it should be the pastor. We sh- it should just be the pastor or some theologian who's been saved for 80 years that is the one that's supposed to go and to tell people about Jesus. That is absolutely incorrect. We stressed this in the first service, and I want you to hear me, and hopefully this does not sound like something ugly. Our pastor is fantastic, but he is one man, and to truly disciple, he can probably only do it about one at a time. Now, we had a study done, and within five miles of this church, there are 3,000 unchurched people. Do we truly believe that just the pastor by himself is going to be able to go reach all 3,000 of those people and get them into the church? If we truly believe that and we believe that through our actions, then we're setting those 3,000 people up for failure. Because he is just one man who's doing a fantastic job, but he is just one man. So this is not a call for the select few. This is a call for all. Okay, now pastor jokes with us on staff that when the Lord speaks to him, the Lord gives him one word at a time to make sure he understands it. Okay, now the staff knows that the pastor is much smarter than I am, so I've got to simplify this down to where I can understand it, okay? We're going to focus on one word, and I want to look at Isaiah 43, 10 through 12. It says, you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, no God was formed, nor will there be one after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and apart from me, there is no Savior. I have revealed and saved and proclaimed, and I, not some foreign God among you, you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, that I am God. You are my witness. Witness is our word of the day, okay? It's our word of the day. Now, I want to start off by saying, do you understand, did you read and hear any qualifications there when it talks about you are my witness? Did you see that you had to attend seminary, or you had to have a bachelor's degree, or you had to be saved and raised in the church, you know, from birth like Pastor Kevin? Did you see any qualification like that? No. It says you. Okay, you. That's any person that is hearing this. So if you're breathing and you are born again, you are his witness. Okay? I'm stressing this, our word of the day. This is our word of the day, witness. So, you know, if you have one of those on your calendar, you know, on on your desk, or if you just, I don't know, go to a gas pump these days, the words you can get at a gas pump, it makes no sense. Okay? Some of those, I don't think they're real. I'm just going to tell you that honestly. I think George makes them up and he puts them on there. But witness is our word. And I want you to understand, what is a witness? Well, a witness is someone who sees or experiences something. Now, we take this into court. And a witness is someone who saw something and then is recounting what they saw to help prove guilt or innocence. 
Okay, if we're, if we're willing to take a witness as far as to prove someone's guilt or innocence in a court system that we believe in in this country, how much more should that witness be important in our spiritual sense? But how often are we actually doing it? How often are we saying that to someone? How often are we recounting that? Now, again, I'm stressing this. You, in order to be a witness to someone, you do not have to formulate a, a sermon like pastor does. I can't do it. I've tried. I can't do the manuscript that he does. It's amazing. It's very detailed. How he doesn't try to read the entire thing, it's amazing. You don't have to formulate a sermon like that. What you have to do and what we're called to do is just testify of what the Lord has done for you. That's it. But PJ, you don't understand how scary it is to go talk to people about that. Yes, I do. Okay, I told the first service, do you, do you realize how scary it was the first time I had to get up here? I joke, I joke with them in the first service, with these lights, how hot it gets, it feels like a rotisserie chicken up here, okay? I'm just telling you honestly. <laughs> I love that. I understand exactly how intimidating it is to get up in front of people and tell them who Jesus is. I understand that. I don't, I don't love the idea of going and telling a stranger who Jesus is because they're strangers. I don't know how they're going to respond and it makes me nervous. But you know what? I'd rather be in a situation like that where I'm nervous and be obedient. Be obedient than miss out on that opportunity. It, and, and I understand that we're all, we all get nervous at, for different things. We all get nervous about getting up in front of people. We all get nervous about speaking or doing anything out in front of people or, you know, Maybe you're one of those crazy people like Camden and you can just get in front of a crowd at any time and just start rapping a song in front of 3,000 people. Maybe. Okay, we're not all Camdens. But look, whether you're nervous about it or scared about it, you still need to be obedient about it. There, there's, just, there's a blessing in obedience that if we're willing to be obedient to do these things, God can do something amazing. When I think of calling and obedience, I start to think of Jonah. You guys know the story of Jonah? Jonah was called by God in Jonah 1 where God is telling him, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to tell the people of Nineveh that basically the truth. I need you to understand that there's just a little bit of time and you need to be aware of the fact that there's a problem coming. Well, we know what Jonah did. Jonah ran away from it. Jonah ran away from it, ended up in a worse situation than he was in before, literally inside of a fish. Awful situation. But God, inside of that horrible time that he was in, was able to restore Jonah to the point where he was willing to be obedient and to go forward and do what God said. And as we see in the scripture here, in Jonah 3, 1, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Thank God for second chances. Came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim it. Proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to the Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed in God. A fast was proclaimed and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. So Jonah finally shows up, finally his obedience and says just a simple truth, a simple truth. Tells him, honestly, you've got 40 days to get this right or you're going to be overthrown. 
And it says that everyone believed. This massive city was changed because one person was willing to be obedient to God. In fact, it made its way all the way to the king. And we see that in verse 6. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink. But let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Listen to this. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger and so that we will not perish. Verse 10, when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring them into destruction. He had, into the destruction he had threatened. Once again, Jonah did not go into this situation with a three-point sermon, thinking he had to save the world by having the perfect message. Jonah went into it with an obedient heart, an honest heart, and lives were changed. Now, we're in the South, so most of you probably listen to country music. Any of you listen to country music? Okay, I just can't do it, but good for you. Okay, Tim McGraw had a song, you guys know it, Live Like You Were Dying, right? The premise behind the song was that this man did so much because he knew his time was short. He took advantage of the fact that his time was short and he got everything done that he wanted to get done. How differently we would live if we understood that there was a clock on the wall counting down how long we had. If we knew the exact amount of time, what would we do differently? We would accomplish so many things. We would experience so many things. But what if we took that same approach when it came to witnessing to others? What if we took the approach that we knew that that person that we're supposed to be witnessing to, that they are literally living like they are dying and on their way to hell? What if we took the standpoint of saying that, okay, I'm going to talk to them. What if, I, what if I tell them how differently God has made things for me? What if I went in there and I spoke to them and I said, hey, I have a complete remedy in Jesus, not only for your eternal salvation, but for how you're living right now, the hell you're going through right now, God can help you with it now. Our God is not a God for just down the road, but he's a God for now. And if we actually went in there and tried to talk to these people that we see all the time that are just plain suffering, Man, I, I think of the, the job I used to have and the people I used to work with and how all they talked about was this bill and that bill and this struggle and that struggle. And then they'd follow that same sentence and they talk about how I just had, I just had to have a Jack and Coke and I, or I just had to drink a whole case and I had to do all this stuff just to get through that moment of dealing with that stress. And I wish I could say I told him about Jesus. I wish I could say that. But instead, I just sat there quietly. Didn't want to get drawn into it. Didn't want to have to deal with it. And my lack of obedience, those people are still not where they're supposed to be with Jesus. Man, I had not thought about that for a long time, but that is extremely convicting in this moment, so I, I apologize. But man, what if, what if we felt that urgency right now 
And we decided to tell people about Jesus and we just, we just kept it simple. We just kept it simple. You don't have to recount all 66 books of the Bible. What if you just kept it simple and you literally just told them, hey, this is what Jesus did for me. What if we kept it simple and we lived it out in front of them and the way we walk and the way we talk and what we post? What if, what if we did that? What if we just made it that, that simple step of every day deciding I'm going to witness for others, I'm going to keep it simple and do the right thing and do it for God? What if we approached it, especially in this day and time, what if we approached it in love rather than trying to be right? I, Thursday night, I wanted, I wanted to post some stuff Thursday night. I'm going to tell you honestly, I wanted, to, I wanted to bless some people out. I was just absolutely frustrated by the phone call we got, how things are going to go at Johnson County Wise for school, and I was just absolutely frustrated, and I wanted to let the school board have it. I did. That, that is a flaw of mine. I have an Irish temper, forgive me, but, and I, I, I kid you not, and all I could think of in that moment as I was grabbing my phone to let the Lord know and let everyone know how I felt, all I could think of was Pastor Kevin's message from Wednesday night about how we're supposed to be loving in every single thing we do. I did not want to be loving. I wanted to be right. Okay? I'm just being honest with you. I had a, I had a momentary flaw, a momentary mo- a weakness. I wanted to just bless them and everyone who read it. I just wanted to bless everybody. But instead, I just reposted your message and told them it's better to show love than to be right. And you write. Jeez, Kevin. I'm referring to him now as church in a box. If you, I hope you all understand this. He can sing. He can preach. I don't know what he can't do at this point. It's really, it's really irritating. Um, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I love you. But what if, we, what if we felt that urgent call to witness to someone? What if we felt that call? And in conversations I've had with different people, what if instead of complaining about that coworker and how they frustrate you, what if Monday you decided to go in there and you decided to tell that person about what Jesus has done in your life? What if you did that? What? There are numerous options of what could happen. Okay, so they could be, I mean, they could ignore you. They could avoid you. They could try to get you in trouble at work. They could do all those things. That's okay. They're probably doing those things now anyway. But what if, what if, what if they responded and they said, yeah, that, that Jesus that you're talking about that did all that stuff in you because I know you and Lord knows the changes may happen in you. Yeah, I need that Jesus too. I, I joked with the first service that growing up, I had a couple really good friends in high school. I knew a lot of people, but I really only had a few friends in high school that I was really close to. And if you were to ask the parents of those boys which one of us three would become a pastor one day, I promise you I would have been voted dead last. I promise you. They know me now and they still look at me cockeyed. Okay? They still wonder what's happening. But God. Because my grandmother decided that she was not going to give up on myself, my cousin, myself, my, myself, myself, 
And my cousin Chris, we both grew up in divorced homes. I had a much better home life than he did. But my grandma stayed on us nonstop. And I will tell you that both of us are pastors today because of it. Because she would not let it go. We had every opportunity to run and do all these things. And I'll go ahead and tell you that we did run and do all those things for a little while. But God grabbed a hold of us. And we had people that we loved that just continually kept telling us about Jesus and kept telling us about Jesus. Because I'm telling you, I played church. I went to church every Sunday and almost every Wednesday because I was made to do it. But I played church. I played church. Now, that's, that could be a lot of us here today, that we could be playing church. But I don't know if we're actually living it out in front of people. Turner, if you would come up here. What if we told that person? What if we told that person exactly, just simply, just simply what Jesus has done for us? How would they respond? What if it spread to those that they loved? What if we started a whole different kind of pandemic? What if we saw something else start spreading around besides negativity, besides hate, besides politics? What if we started seeing Jesus just starting to spread to everyone that we love, everyone that we care about, people that we work with, people that even we don't like. Maybe they get a hold of Jesus and all of a sudden we might like them. I miss the truth. What if that happened? I start thinking about what ifs and spreading to families and doing all this. And I think, of, I think of Paul and Silas when they were in jail. Now, Paul and Silas were not in jail because they were doing anything wrong. Paul and Silas ended up in jail because they were willing and bold enough to go out and speak for Jesus. So I'll go, I'll go ahead and warn you. The call to witness to someone is not an easy call. But it is a requirement. If we're honest, it's a requirement. We may face backlash. I mean, Christ said we would be persecuted because we believe in his name. But I'd rather be persecuted because I'm representing Christ than just because of something else. Paul and Silas believed that and they lived it out to the point where that day they were arrested and they were thrown in jail to the deepest, darkest parts of that jail. And in the, one of the worst times of their life, they could have been cursing everyone they could have been complaining. They could have been doing everything else but what they did. And in the worst of times of their life, they decided, I'm still going to worship. I'm still going to represent Jesus. In the worst time of my life, I'm still going to shout his name so everyone around me hears it. And scripturally, it tells us their worship was so powerful and God responded to it so much, it shook the jail. It broke the bondage that they were in. The jailer comes running in thinking that all of them have escaped because the jail doors are open and he thinks that they've all run away and he knows exactly what's going to happen to him because it's a moment of complete and utter failure for him. So he knows that when his bosses see what has happened, they're going to kill him. So I'm just going to go ahead and do it before they get here and save some steps and save some hassle. I'm going to take this way out. That is what the jailer is thinking in this moment. His life is over. But instead, Paul and Silas are still there and they shout out to him, don't hurt yourself, we're all still here. 
And the jailer responds to this moment of probably craziness to him. And he runs in there and he says, tell me about this Jesus that you have. And that night, this man is led to Jesus and then his family is led to Jesus. Because these men were willing to worship in the worst times of their life. They were willing to stand up in this moment and tell this desperate person who was at the end of their rope who Jesus is. Can I tell you right now that you have friends, you have family, you have coworkers, neighbors, people all around you that are at the lowest points of their entire life. They're dealing with stress, money, pandemic, family, who knows, sickness, whatever it is. They are lower than they have ever been because these are like millstones around their neck trying to pull them down. The devil is doing everything, everything at this point to break every one of us. To have us no longer looking at Jesus, but rather looking at Fox News or whatever and trying to get our happiness from that. You're not going to. These people that we know and we love are absolutely in the most desperate of times. They are literally on the edge. Some of them are on the edge like this jailer was. Gosh. When I think of When I think of the idea of two elementary school children in this state that took themselves out, the idea of two elementary school children, children are not supposed to know things like this. Children are supposed to be playing and happy and just everything's supposed to be going really good for them. They don't know stress. They're not supposed to. But yet two little children felt there was no other option than to take themselves out. That is where we are right now as a nation, as a world, everything. Where we have people who are literally on the edge. On the edge. And they're looking at everything. They're looking for every remedy right now. Trying to figure out how they can fix what they're dealing with. These people that we love are on the edge and they need to hear about Jesus. They desperately, desperately need to hear about Jesus because on that edge they are risking a very real eternity. A very real eternity. And whether they know Jesus or not, they are risking eternity. If you know Christ, then you know where you are headed. But if you do not know Christ and you are trying to put your trust in everything else in this world to offer some sort of soothing remedy, you are risking a very real hell. I pray that we would grab a hold of that urgency to witness, that urgency to tell those around us that are absolutely struggling. Don't just say the Christian saying, I'll pray for you. Nah, take that moment and start praying for them right then and there. Put your hands on them right then and there. Begin to offer relief to them and call out to Jesus right then and there. Begin to tell them about how Jesus changed everything for you. 
Because I can, I can tell you right now, I was on my way to hell. I was forced to go to church, but I was on my way to hell because I was not living it out. And then one day at 17, God got a hold of me and said, stop playing games and get serious. And I remember coming to the altar and I remember just crying my eyes out at the altar. And my grandmother, who'd been pounding it into my head, literally, since I was born, that who Jesus was and how desperately I need him was right beside me that day. And that is the biggest reason why I'm here today. That is the testimony that I can go and tell, and I can tell everybody that I love and I care about. You know what? I was messing up too. You know what? I probably should have been arrested too. You know what? I was on my way to hell, but God said, no, come to me, and I'll take care of everything for you. Has it been all roses? Absolutely not, but I can promise you the blessings of my Father are far greater than what this world offers. You do not have to know all 66 books to make an impact on someone's life. You don't. You have to have Jesus in your hearts and you have to be willing to be obedient and just allow the Holy Spirit to move through you. I pray that you pray that every day when you get up. God, move through me today. Change someone's life today. Pastor had a challenge for himself a while back that he wanted to make sure that he saw individually from himself over 100 people saved in a single year. What if every one of us had that goal? We'd run through that 3,000 around here pretty fast. What if we had that goal that today I'm going to speak life into someone's life? I'm going to tell them about Jesus. Whether they get it today or not, I'm going to keep telling them. I'm going to keep telling them. Hannah was willing to go pray year after year after year for that child that she wanted so desperately. And you know what? God came through and did some powerful stuff. God can do it for you today, can do it for them if we're only willing to represent him. You don't have to know some fancy speech. You don't have to memorize everything. I I highly recommend memorize Romans 10, 9. Confess with your mouth and believe with your heart that he is Lord and you are saved. I know I paraphrased it, but that's okay. That's it. That's it. That's all you have to tell them. Take them down the Romans road. We've all messed up. I'm not singling you out when I'm telling you about Jesus. Every one of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But God loved us so much that he was willing to die for us even while we were sinners. And I'm telling you this honestly because the wages of sin that all of us have done is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. And right now, if you want it, all you have to do is confess with your mouth and believe with your heart that he is Lord. And if you just mean it in your heart, that means you are saved and on your way to heaven. That simple, that fast. You can carry them all the way through it and just pray the Lord grabs a hold of their heart and they finally say that today's the day. I'm not running, I'm not playing, I'm not doing anything else. There's nothing more important in this moment than this right here. What if we did that? What if we, what if we did that? What would it do? What would it do to this world that we like to complain about, that we get so frustrated with? What if everybody started believing in Jesus rather than believing what everyone else is saying? What if everyone decided to put Christ first rather than their own opinions and their own feelings and everything else that they want? What if, what if we did that? What impact could that have? Jonah was one man with an obedient heart and walked a day's journey into this massive city and just spoke honestly what the Lord had told him to say. And an entire, entire city, all the way up to the king, 
He broke their hearts to the point where they tore off their clothes and put on sackcloth and said, God, forgive us. What if we did that? What if it actually carried forward and carried up to our politicians and beyond? What if they actually got saved and changed their lives because one person was willing to speak up for Jesus and not be hushed by the crowd? What if? What if we grabbed a hold of that urgent, urgent call? And I stress urgent because no man knows the hour when Christ will return, but we also don't know the hour which we will leave here. So it is urgent. I would ask that each of you stand with me. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Jesus. Christ came and died that each and every single person would know him as Lord and Savior. And I would be remiss if we didn't have that opportunity here today. So today, if Christ is speaking to you and he's telling you that you need him, that today you've been living in every which way possible, but through him, and he is not Lord and Savior of your life, this is the moment to get it right. This is the moment to call out to him. And if that's you and you want to get it right today, I would just ask as everybody's heads bowed, everybody's eyes closed, you would just raise your hand and say, that's me, I want to get it right today. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I would stress to you right now, those who raise their hand, that you would just call out to him in your own prayer language right now, that you would begin to tell him that you need him and ask him to be Lord and Savior of your life. That's all it, that's all it is. Just asking him to come into your heart and be Savior of your life and helping you going forward. That's all it is. Father, I pray that you would minister right now. Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you for moving and beginning to tug on hearts even now in this moment. Thank you for grab a hold, grabbing a hold of those hearts. And at this moment, they are calling out to you. And because you honor your word, you said that because they are calling out to you, that they are set free from the sin and bondage of their life, that right now that they are going forward and they are moving forward because they are Christians. They are set on fire right now for you. And I pray that their lives going forward are different. God, that you would change the way that they see these things. The bondages that have tried to hold them back are broken right now in the name of Jesus. God, that you would just minister and move right now. God, that they would see complete, utter change, have peace beyond understanding right now. God, I give you thanks that you would care for such people like us, God. That you would be willing to die for us even when we, you knew we would mess it up. God, thank you for that kind of love and grace and mercy. God, I thank you for those souls right today that got it right. But I ask God that you would bless every single person that is in this room right now in the name of Jesus. That you would get a hold of them. That each and every person in this room would have a greater outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That they would experience a spirit of boldness come upon them. That when they leave this place... As pastors stressed in the first service, that they would understand they are heading into a mission field. That there is a call to witness to those that are around them. Whether they feel like they're ready or not, they just need to be obedient and allow you to move and watch lives get changed. God, help us to be that church that we would no longer be able to say that there's 3,000 within five miles that are unchurched. But God, that number would go down day by day by day. God, that you would be moving, that you'd be setting souls free. God, that's what we're calling for right now. God, we desperately need you to move. Lord, set this church on fire.
Help us to be urgent people. God, that we would no longer be passive about anything, that we would be Lord, we would be on fire, that we would not be able to avoid it, not be able to ignore it, but God, that it would be the most important thing on our day is to put you first and to show that to everyone around us. God, help us to be that church. And God, we're going to give you thanks right now for the testimonies that we're going to hear because you moved today. God, we love you and we praise you.